Hi, I'm Emily Appleton, and you are listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 101 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molly, your host. This week, I speak to up-and-coming British pro player, Emily Appleton. Emily has recently had a great run of form. She's coached by one of her previous guests, David Collins, who's also appeared on one of her more popular webinars. Emily tells us about her recent run of great results, run for bunker cover while in Jerusalem, being part of the Sky Sports Scholar Program, working on her breathing, meditation and visualization and more. Before we start, I hope you're enjoying Roland Garros. If you didn't catch our episode of Casper Rude last week for a milestone 100 episode, make sure you give it a listen. You can expect Casper to have a great run at Roland Garros this year. Also, a shout out to our podcast sponsor Slinger, who make the super portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. Head over to slingerbag.com to get more info, or you can message me directly as I've been using a lot recently while working on the prototype of our new product launching late this year. Okay, let's chat to Emily. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? Hi, Fabio. I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Where about are you? I'm back home now. I'm actually in isolation because I just got back from a three-week trip. I was in Israel and Georgia. Oh, interesting. Well, really excited to find out about what was going on in Israel. So maybe you can tell us that before. Before we talk about that, we can talk about you've been playing really well lately. You had a great run in the UK Pro Series. Maybe you can tell us a bit about the UK Pro Series, what goes on there and the level there. And then we can move on to the international stuff. Yeah, so the UK Pro Series was created last summer, mainly due to COVID. I think they just wanted to give an opportunity to all the British players to just compete loads, play matches every day and earn some good money whilst we were stuck at home. And it's continued this year and they've had four weeks of it so far. There's a match every single day of the week, so seven matches in a week. And yeah, we're just all competing against each other to try and do as well as we can. And yeah, thankfully for me, it's gone pretty well. Uh, so can't complain. And to have the opportunity to earn some good money as well whilst we're not able to travel has been absolutely essential for all of us. Did you win three weeks in a row? I won two weeks in a row, finaled in the third week and then won the fourth week. So yeah, can't really complain. Great. And where were they on? Were they spread throughout the UK or in the one location all the time? So they were going to do each week in a different location, but then due to the next lockdown, they decided to keep them all in one place. So they were all held at Loughborough University. And are you located near Loughborough? No, I had to stay in a hotel every time. I'm located in Guildford, down in Surrey. So a little bit too far for me to commute every day, but I can't really complain because last summer they were held literally about 10 minutes away from me. So yeah. It was a, it was probably fair that I had to pay for the hotel this time. But was it nice being just have a base in the hotel for the four weeks and you just, I don't know, got some good comfort, you know, you get used to your surroundings. Yeah, I definitely got into a routine, especially after the first week. And the fact that I won the first week, I just decided that I wasn't going to change anything for the rest of the week. So although by the end of it, it got a little bit monotonous and repetitive, I was happy because I had yeah my set routines and just knew what I was doing each day. And tell me, can you beat playing a tournament close to home where you can go home every night, sleep in your same bed? Is that the best? Nothing beats it. Nothing beats it. There's so much benefits, I think, to staying at home, being able to eat your own food, staying 
your own bed and just have those home comforts. So yeah, whenever the opportunity is there, I will take it every day of the week. I'd say some of the British guys and girls who live beside Wimbledon and when Wimbledon comes along and you can go home to your own bed, it must be amazing for them. How far away is Surrey from SW19? I live about 25 minutes away from Wimbledon. So yeah, pretty lucky. (laughs) Yeah, Maybe not with Wimbledon traffic. It could be two hours away. No, that's true. Yeah, I'm parking. (laughs) Yeah, well, you get VIP parking, I'm sure. But so you brought that great run that you had at the Pro Series into, you went to Israel, first of all. And how did Israel go? There was a doubles title there, was there? Yeah, I won uh, the Jerusalem doubles title with Alicia Barnett, another British girl. And yeah, it was definitely an experience. I think the conditions were a big shock to me, like going from indoor hard I hadn't seen an outdoor tennis court since October 2020 just due to not being able to travel and then at altitude as well and with the 30 plus degree weather it was uh yeah definitely a change to the system but I know I really enjoyed it and yeah it was an experience because there was uh well, we were in the middle of a war zone pretty much for the second week. So, yeah. What was it like being in the middle of the war zone? Did you have to jump to a bunker at one stage? We did. Yeah, we were. I was actually staying in an Airbnb with Alicia and three other three other Brits. And at the time we were just by the pool doing some recovery and then the air raid sirens went off and we all thought it was just an ambulance or something going past. So didn't really do anything about it, just thought nothing of it. And then uh, the people that lived close by said, you need to come into our bomb shelter because, you know, the the rockets are going to be coming at us. And then like seconds later, we saw five rockets like fly past and land and we could smell the, I don't know, the fumes from it. And yeah, so it was it was pretty surreal. That must be, it must be scary. It must be really scary. Yeah, it was pretty scary because we just had no clue what was going on and we weren't really in touch with the news at the time. But then thankfully, not thankfully, but thankfully for us, the main problems were in Tel Aviv and in Gaza. So we weren't actually that close to any of the troubles. So after that, we didn't really see any issues at all. And did the ITF help you out at all? Or is there any help from that side of things? They... At the time, they did consider cancelling the tournament. I think there was a lot of chats late at night about what they were going to do. And even up to sort of the semi-finals days, they were still considering cancelling the tournament due to the safety for us players. But I really, and I stand by this, I think Jerusalem was probably one of the safest places you could have been at the time. And we all felt super safe, like literally no sign of danger. So I'm very glad they continued the tournament and it meant that I could get another double title under my belt. So, yeah. How many doubles titles is that now? That was number 11, I think. Great. So on, on the up. And tell, was home ringing you? Was the parents ringing you saying, what's going on? Get out of there. Yeah, my mom was getting pretty worried. I think she was watching the news every night at home. And you know how they heighten the news back home to make it seem really, really bad. And I think it was really bad, but I just had not much idea of it because I wasn't tuning into the news in Israel. Um, So yeah, I think she was pretty worried, but I had to keep telling her, I'm okay, I'm okay. You know, I'm just sitting by the pool enjoying the nice weather. You're living the life of Riley, playing tennis, relaxing the sun. (laughs) Exactly. Great. And so where did you go after Israel then? So after Israel, I flew to Georgia, Tbilisi, 
for a week and that's where I've just come back um and yeah it was a good decision to go there because pretty much the only flights going out of Israel that were going ahead were to Georgia so everything else was getting cancelled and how long are you in quarantine well I could have done the test to release uh day five but yeah just decided not to do it at the time and apparently you can't do it retrospectively or something but it's okay I'm going away again middle of next week so what is the plan moving forward for the summer? I want to just try and play as many matches and as many tournaments as possible. I want to try and keep the momentum that I've built playing the UK Pro Leagues. So yeah, I'm going to try and get away to Europe, either to Eastern Europe or to Portugal maybe during June. And then not sure where July will take me, but hopefully just I can get as many matches under my belt as possible and yeah, keep winning and keep enjoying it. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? To get the more you win, the more matches you get. If you're not winning, you're not getting matches. So Exactly. Yeah, it's a tough sport out there. That's the, that's why the UK Pro League is so great, because even if you lose, you get to go again the next day. Yeah, that's really good. And David Collin, is, we've had him on the webinar, we had him on the podcast. He's your coach, great guy, and people love his content from his coach, and he just explains it so easily. What's it like working with David? It's a joy to work with David. <laughs> he makes me laugh like 24-7. But we also have a great balance of professionalism as well. And I feel like, yeah, we have a really good relationship. We get on very well. He's known me since I was about 10. So he's seen me grow and grow into the person I am today and the player I am. So yeah, I think our relationship is, is really good. And yeah, I trust everything he says. And yeah, just really happy to be working with him. And is it tough to travel with I know David doesn't travel that much at all is that tough where you want somebody by your side week in week out and you can't have that or does it suit your current position at the moment uh no if I had the best ideal world I would travel with David I was lucky enough to get him to come to Loughborough for quite a lot of the days up there and I think having him there helped me tremendously um just having him by the side of my match court and giving me advice after the matches and yeah just keeping me sane I think was yeah amazing so if I could I would have him travel a lot more than he can but I know he's got many ties back home which is totally understandable so yeah we just try and communicate as best we can when I'm away and yeah hopefully one day he can travel a bit more. Yeah, he, he only wants to do the slams, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's told me that before. Yeah, so you have to you have to make make all the four slams. That's my goal, make the slams and then he'll come. <laughs> yeah, you have no choice then. And tell me, what is the hot dog tennis ball tube? Yeah, so I was trying to find it this morning, but I can't actually find it. But I can send you a picture of it later. Um, basically, when I was at the US Open, David came with me and the one of the things David said to me was that if I won this particular match he would buy me a hot dog from one of the hot dog stands and I think the practice ball people at the US Open overheard this conversation and the next day I went up to collect my practice balls for the for the day and they gave me this new fresh can of tennis balls which they'd like made into a hot dog with paper and they coloured it in and they had like ketchup and mustard and all the all the toppings on it. So yeah, that was very funny and probably one of the highlights of the trip. Nice. So they're so caring, those ball people over there. That's amazing. Did you know we have over 170 great episodes with coaches, players, trainers and experts working at the highest level of the game? Tap the subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss out on the latest episodes of the podcast. And to listen to our great back catalogue of episodes with the biggest game changers in tennis, go to functionaltennispodcast.com. 
So you're a Sky Sports scholar. I was. Oh, you were. I don't know too much about that, but how do you become a Sky Sports scholar and what happens when you become a Sky Sports scholar? What are the advantages? Yeah, so I applied in early 2017 and had to go through quite like a rigorous process. I had to do an interview in front of uh, six or seven of some very influential people in Sky and uh, I think that was probably one of the scariest days of my life. But yeah, managed to get on the programme along with 11 other incredible athletes. And so up until the end of 2020, that's who I was a part of and part of the programme. And it just was an amazing experience for me. They helped us all massively financially, but it was there was more to it than that. We just got to meet so many interesting people from Sky. We got to do work experience for them. We got to have media training. It was just so beneficial in so many ways. And I feel like I will treasure that for a long time and be able to use those connections and friendships that I've built for a long time. So it was a lot more off-court stuff as well as on-court stuff. Yeah. And they also provided uh, mentors for us. So I, you know, I was in touch regularly and still am with my mentors. I I was uh, mentored by Jackie Beltrow, who's a Sky Sports News presenter. Um, I'm also in touch regularly with Adam Smith, who's one of the big dogs in the boxing And so, yeah, it's just really cool to be able to speak to those guys on a regular basis. And they're not part of your main circle and team. So it's nice to get their, you know, their advice and thoughts on things that they're not necessarily involved in on a day to day basis. And do you think there's not enough of that for like juniors making transition to senior career where there's no media training, there's no mentorship Do you think it's something that's really lacking? I know the ATP, I don't know the WTA now, if you hit a certain ranking, they give you media training, they bring you ATP to a school. I'm sure the WTA have something similar, but you got to hit like 150, I think, or 100 to get that special treatment. Do you think there should be a lot more as an introductory once you hit the the top tour? I do, yeah. I think, you know, any media training you can get just helps massively because we're chucked into this world where we don't really know how how to deal with things like that. And you know, you can always be taught how to make yourself look better media wise and how to deal with trolls and how to deal with your success, your failures. So I think, yeah, any opportunity that we could get as players to learn how to manage that side of things better would be definitely welcomed. Maybe troll school is the is the number one thing that's needed out there. 100%, yeah. I've seen some of the comments and this, the messages that you guys get, it's crazy. So do you just don't pay attention to that stuff, delete it and just move on. You don't get involved in it, do you? No, I don't. You've just got to move on. You sort of just got to laugh at it and just think they've got nothing better to do. You know, we're obviously trying our absolute hardest every day and every time we step onto the court and there's nothing more you can do when you come off, win or lose. So yeah, the key is to just not take it to heart, however hard that may be and however personal the messages get. But yeah, you just got to focus on yourself in this sport. <laughs> it's tough enough as it is. It is tough to do that, but I think you need to be headstrong and just try and move on from it. That's where a bit of training does help. And also I did a bit of research that I did on you. We talked about uh, visualization, meditation, the breeding. You spent a lot of time last year in lockdown working on these areas have they helped you what benefits have you seen maybe you can talk about the three of them separately like I think they've 100% helped me I in April last year I started to meditate a little bit only like 10 to 20 minutes a day and also started to learn how to breathe I was doing sort of maybe 10 minutes per day of deep breathing and 
I did it probably for about six to eight months straight, just every day. And I really saw the benefits. I felt calmer just off the court in general day-to-day life. And I was able to take it onto the court with me as well. Breathing sort of became part of my routine that I would do after every point. And at change events, I think from the meditation, I was able to find this sort of safe space where I could just go to if I needed, um, you know, just a few quiet moments to myself to gather my thoughts and my emotions. So yeah, it's something that I would definitely recommend to everyone and something that I want to continue to do. Towards the back end of last year, I got a little bit burnt out from it I think but I took a little break and then revisited it uh, at the start of this year and again I think it's just helped me tremendously so it's something that I want to keep up as part of my routine on court. They're really healthy habits we had a breeding webinar and it was our most popular webinar we had the feedback was amazing fair play to you for sticking it out for so long I've read the book I can't think of the book now on breeding maybe you can tell me there's so many there's one I can't remember the name but anyway it's one of the better ones so I was told but I used to try I used to go out and walks and try to breed but it's just a matter of it never became a habit or so you don't do these things but I can I saw the advantages of it and I heard other people trying it and it's great to hear I rarely spoke to a tennis player who's actually tried it so it's great to hear you're out there trying the breeding yeah no I think I think you definitely have to try and buy into it and I think at times I still haven't achieved that but the times I have done it, I've seen success on the court. So, I mean, that can't be a coincidence. It's got to be related. So, yeah, I think if I can try my best to keep it up and learn how to buy into it and learn the techniques right, then I think it can only help. It can't it can't hinder. And the visualization, when you're visualizing when you get up in the morning, when you're going to bed during the day, has that helped? Yeah, it has. I sort of explored when to do visualization. I tried it in the evenings tried it in the morning so tried it right before a match and the thing that worked for me was in the evenings because I found that it can make you quite sleepy so doing it right before a match probably isn't the best <laughs> idea and um, so what I tend to do is sort of if I knew who I was playing the next day I'd just do take 10-15 minutes before going to bed just to sort of imagine myself where I'm going to play who I'm playing against what I'm going to try and do um, and yeah I think it I think it definitely helps because then you step onto the court the next day and you already feel like you've been there for a little bit. You don't feel like it's just this new environment all of a sudden. So again, yeah, I think it it can't not help. So, you know, you might as well try it and give it a go and see if it works for you. Yeah, you're right. And where did you learn these? Was this through Sky? Was this YouTube or certain courses? Um, I actually just was speaking to my psychologist and she said, hey, have you tried you know, have you tried this meditating app? And I said, no, I haven't. I'll give it a go and really enjoyed it. And then we started after that working on visualizing and how to do it. At first I was really struggling with it. I kept, it sounds silly, but I kept visualizing myself framing the ball. I couldn't, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't picture myself making clean contact with it. So I was getting really frustrated with that. But yeah, after a while it seemed to sort of click. And then I thought, okay, why not? Why don't I try breathing? And this is something my fitness coach actually is really keen on and believes in because he did a breathing workshop over lockdown so learned lots about it and was telling me all about it so I was like okay this sounds pretty cool so might as well give it a go so yeah I think the combination of my fitness coach and my psychologist really helped me out there. So you didn't have you sleeping with tape over your mouth did you? No it didn't go that far. <laughs> that's, what, that's how far it goes. 
<laughs> and tell me what meditation app did you use or do you use? I use Calm. Oh, great. Yeah. And it's, it's super cheap. I think there was a free version for a little bit. And then I thought, well, I want to carry on. And I think it's only like £30 a year or something. So yeah, pretty cheap for what you can get from it. Great. Yeah. You can bring it everywhere. It's really good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to end this on one of our more popular questions we ask our guests at the end of most shows. What bit of advice do you have for players, especially juniors out there who want to make a career in the pro game? I think the biggest advice is to just accept and be aware of how long the journey is and just have fun. I know it's said so many times, but if you're not enjoying it, then the journey is going to seem even longer than it already does. So yeah, just Really try and have fun. Get yourself together with a good group of people to make it easier when you're on the road. And yeah, just enjoy playing, enjoy getting better every day. Some days are going to be better than others. But in general, you know, you're always going to be slightly on the up and going in the right direction. So I think, yeah, just trying to enjoy having a positive outlook on the whole journey and not being too focused mindset on each match in particular. Nice. Yeah, you got to think long term. Thank you very yeah. much for that. One last question, actually. What rack are you using? I use the Yonex E-Zone 98. And what weight is it? It's 312. Do you customize it at all? It was customized, yeah, when I was playing the juniors and I just love it so much that I haven't actually moved from that racket yet. So yeah, I love that racket so much. Nice. And what did you use before? How does it compare to other rackets you use? Why do you love it so much? I've used Yonex for a long time now, but I think when I was much younger I used head I think the radical but yeah as soon as I picked up the Yonex one it just felt like every time I made contact it felt so clean I felt like I had a lot of control but could also get quite a lot of power which I think suits my game pretty well because I like to play aggressive and yeah it's just worked for me ever since and I can't see myself changing anytime soon Great. Well, Emily, I wish you plenty of luck moving forward over the summer. Thank you. Lots more W's and see that ranking go up. Yeah, sounds good. I hope that's true. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that chat with Emily. It's going to be a great summer first. going to have a great run. I'll be back next week. And until then, check out the Casper episode and enjoy Roland Garros. Bye. Bye. <laughs>